Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once again for joining me today. After what was an entertaining game, a back and forth, good, solid, uh, competitive game and all that, but an extremely frustrating finish and a lot of frustrations along the way. A lot of uh, little big things that uh, cost the Vikings in what would be a 26-23 to loss yet again in Arrowhead Stadium. <laughs> just can't win in Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, just chalk it up. We can't win in Arrowhead Stadium, and it's so... Gosh darn Mickey freaking frustrating that I can't even put into words without cursing. I like to say this is a family show, even though, I don't know, is it a family show? It's like, yes, yes, kind of. I try to keep it semi-family friendly, at least close enough. But, uh, I, I don't know. I'll do my best to keep it that way during the course of this one. Just a lot of frustrations. Little big things along with, I mean, you could just go on forever. Can't win in big games, can't win on the road against good teams, blah, blah, blah. No Patrick Mahomes and you still find a way to not win. Uh, where do you even begin? I mean, in a lot of ways, remember going into last year's draft, last April, last late May, whatever, like late April now, since it's kind of going back and forth with the late April, early May thing with the draft, is, oh, Mike Zimmer's probably going to draft another cornerback. <laughs> Can you imagine how funny that would be? Yeah, well, <laughs> Mike Zimmer drafting another cornerback might have been a genius at this stage because the cornerbacks, the wide corners on this team have let this team down week in and week out. You hear callers calling into vent line talking about Trey Waynes has never really been that good. I kind of don't disagree with that at all. Uh, he's had some moments. He was probably the best corner last year. Uh, and he really stepped up in 2017. Just the fact that he stepped up from being sucky to being above average in 2017 is one of the reasons why that team was so good, particularly on third downs and such. But then, yeah, here we go. I mean, because back then Xavier Rhodes is still good and all that, and that feels like 20 years ago because Xavier Rhodes is just mediocre. Uh, today, Matt Moore picked on, yeah, Matt Moore. You know, the same son of a gun that frustrated us 10 years ago with the Carolina Panthers in North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, Charlotte, wherever the heck they play. doesn't even matter at this point. It's in North Carolina, and the frickin' Panthers beat the Vikings and helped cost us home field advantage. Just like they frickin' helped cost the Minnesota Vikings home field advantage in 2017. And the Kansas City Chiefs, well, I don't know if they're going to get home field advantage in the AFC. In fact, the chances of that are slim to none. Like, they're going to catch the New England Patriots as we head into the colder months? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. But the Minnesota Vikings are going to catch the Green Bay Packers as we head into the colder months? <laughs> Probably not. I I have my doubts right now. And I hate saying that because I want to win. I want to win, damn it. And every Minnesota Viking fan wants to win. But we're 6-3. and three. We're tied with the Chiefs. In fact, well, they have the tiebreaker if such a thing mattered at this stage. But they're in the other conference. Where do you even begin? I mean, otherwise, yeah, I mean... Drafting a cornerback just sounded so dumb. Wouldn't that be terrible? It would just be dumb. And then the offensive line today just kind of kind of reverted again back to the same old thing. You come into this one going against the 30th ranked defense in a sense. And again, you know, that was after playing the Packers, of course, because Aaron Rodgers shredded them pretty good. And Matt Moore was, uh, you know, average. He's just an average. He's not a terrible quarterback. He's average. But against these cornerbacks right now, he looked pretty good, particularly against Trey Waynes. And I don't know. Um, 
This is the Kansas City Chiefs defense that is not very good. And today they look like the Kansas City Chiefs years ago when they were really good, when they had Jared Allen and such. Uh, They didn't have a whole lot of offense. Like, Matt Moore would have been the starting quarterback for that team years ago. I mean, they had just an immoral, mediocre quarterback back in the day. They didn't have Alex Smith yet. We're talking like 2007-ish when uh, Jared Allen had a receiving touchdown and sacked, uh, who would have been? Who would it have been? I believe it was... (laughs) Bollinger at the time. I don't think it was Tavares Jackson. It was actually Bollinger in that game back in 07. Just the same old crap. Every time we play Kansas City, their defense is so much better than normal. And you think Derek Thomas is back, you know, just stacking everybody. That's what it looked like. Um, But, uh, and God rest his soul, Derek Thomas. uh, Awesome linebacker for the Chiefs. Awesome linebacker. Um, But, I mean... Whatever, that's what kind of game it was. It was just the Vikings and Chiefs again. I mean, 1969, the curse of 1969, which hovers over this franchise since that year, 50 years ago, hovers over this franchise forever. And, well, similar result in terms of just the the loss, not necessarily the score, but the loss. (sighs) Vikings had this game time and time again. Kirk Cousins overthrew everybody. I mean, he overthrew everybody in this game. Everybody, just, just everybody. He didn't turn the ball over, but he overthrew everybody. Luckily, he threw the ball away wisely and didn't make that big, huge, crucial, dagger-like mistake. But um, it was one thing after another that cost this team today. One thing after another. It's like you could just go on forever. Uh, Let's get to the penalties here, too. Uh, The Vikings had some key first downs. Third and long, third and nine, third and three, third and four, third and 19, third and whatever the hell it was. We'd get the first down. And then there was holding on Bradbury. And you get another first down, big play. And guess, and what, what what happened after that, holding on Bradbury? Vikings end up punting. Illegal downfield Bradbury. Vikings end up punting. Illegal hands to the face on, on Klein. <laughs> Vikings end up punting. And these were all in plays where the Vikings were nearing field goal range and potentially could have gone further, maybe all the way. That's three major penalties that cost the Vikings today. That's just three. There were many more along the way. That cost the Vikings. The referees did not cost the Vikings the game. A million things cost the Vikings the game today. Kirk Cousins' accuracy cost the Vikings the game. The offensive line's uh, inability to <laughs> the inability to control the pressure from the Kansas City Chiefs cost the Vikings the game, which then again got Kirk Cousins back to nervous Kirk rather than confident Kirk, rather than confident and angry Kirk. A missed extra point was bleeping frustrating. It put us in a position where we were actually trailing 17-16. to 16. Like, are you bleeping kidding me? You can't even make an extra point. Uh, the Vikings secondary, outside of Harrison Smith. And, and, okay, Harris was good too. Harris and Harrison, you know, were pretty good. The, the hairy safeties were pretty good, you know. Yeah, hairy safeties. Harry the hitman and Harris with his long hair. Safeties were <laughs> pretty good today, I think. But Trey Waynes was awful. He got beat over and over and over. Xavier Rhodes is just average at best, and it's like whatever. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander and Mike Hughes were pretty good. They weren't perfect, but they were pretty good. Uh, Hughes almost fumbled a freaking kickoff. Vikings had multiple opportunities to actually go on a potential game-winning drive, but then you're passing on first down. I mean, why aren't you running the ball when you have, like, a small lead? Running the ball, maybe run the clock down and score, God forbid, and you're just, like, bleeping predictable as hell. Like, you're standing there, basically you're standing right next to Dalvin Cook and go, okay, here's the ball. Oh, shoot, the defensive tackle or whatever, defensive, or the linebacker, any Kansas City Chief defender, you could just name him. He was standing there waiting for Dalvin Cook. So that was predictable and extremely frustrating. 
the predictability there was extremely frustrating. But then, but then you had passing plays drawn up in a position when it's like you want to you want to take advantage of the situation, run the ball a little bit, and you're just you're passing on first down, so it's incomplete. And a second and long, third and long, and then next thing you know, you're getting sacked. The here comes the pressure. There's just nothing you can do. Can't get rid of the ball in time. You're throwing desperate passes to, to receivers that are actually like behind the line of scrimmage in uh, Irv Smith's case. And then you have much later in the game when you needed the big punt from Quinton Colquitt, who'd been great all season, and he shanks it for like 20 yards. I mean, are you bleeping kidding me? One thing after another cost the Vikings this game. Everything. The play calling was predictable and conservative. There was some creativity on the drive that gave the Vikings their 23rd point, basically. Their 23 points early with 11 minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Very creative drive there. Gotta like that. Lots of screen plays to Adele and Cook that were working very nicely. And then a bullet pass from Kirk Cousins to Kyle Rudolph. That was spectacular. I loved everything about that drive. But then... Even though the Vikings defense held strong, the Kansas City defense held stronger, and the Vikings offense became ridiculously predictable, ridiculously skittish, ridiculously scared, and the, the, the stupid penalties and the mediocre play of guys like Bradbury and frickin' Pat Elfline, who looks like he doesn't even belong starting in the NFL right now. And he, just, you know, just two bleeping years ago, he looked like he was going to be a starting center for Minnesota for the next decade and a perennial pro, uh, pro bowler. Starter, backup, whatever he is, he's going to make the Pro Bowl maybe five or six times during a 10-year period or even beyond. Now he looks like he doesn't even belong on the team. I mean, he's just awful. And I, I don't know. And, and it's so frustrating. You hope he can get it together. He had such a mediocre to below average season last year, recovering from the multiple injuries. And now he's just he's out of position. And there's nothing you can do. And we should have taken a cornerback, I guess. I, I guess we should have taken a cornerback in the draft. I guess so. I mean, we didn't take any. That was the weird part. You did take Marcus Epps to safety. Well, you took Boyd, who's not very good. There, there's your cornerback, a seventh-round pick who made the team with, like, the skin of his teeth. And, yeah, he's barely good enough to play on special teams. He barely made the team. Boyd out of Texas there. Barely. Seventh-round pick. You got your cornerback. Holden Hill finally came back after the uh, eight-game suspension and helps uh, <laughs> recover a fumble there. That was nice. That was a big play. You got the fumble lost by Kansas City on the kickoff. That was a big play, but other than that, you know, I'd rather have Holden Hill in the game somewhat, but I mean, I'm not sure you could put him in big moments on the road in his first game back after being out for eight weeks with the freaking suspension, but maybe you're going to have to, and obviously he made big plays last year with the Minnesota Vikings when he made the team and came in as an undrafted free agent where, of course, he could have been a significantly higher draft pick. He could have been a significantly high draft pick, upper half for the draft, if not first-round pick, he was that good, uh, Holden Hill. But, of course, there was the character issues, and the character issues reared their ugly head, and blah, blah, blah. We all know that story, and what a beautiful story he was. And then, yeah, then what an ugly story it became. And, yeah, but, well, he's back with the Vikings now and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Trey Wayne is ever beatable. Xavier Rhodes has not anything what he was. He's, a, he's the oldest 29-year-old on the planet. I mean, I, I, he's 29. You, you you think he's 39? He's 29 years old. Come on, you know. So, I I, I don't know what to I, I don't know where to go there. Maybe he wasn't being as dramatic. Maybe he was super duper hurt every time he got hurt, so to speak, and and uh, wasn't overacting. But yeah, I think he was. Uh, I don't know. You're better off with Hughes and Alexander, but Alexander's not a wide corner. He's a slot corner. But again, <laughs> you want Alexander in there almost all the time if you can, almost all the time. And of course, Hughes. 
needs to be a full-time uh, wide corner. He he really does, and you you got to go in the upper part of the draft again and get a cornerback, regardless who the head coach is, if Mike Zimmer's back next year. I, I mean, there's a good chance he will be, but who knows? Who knows what kind of down spiral could happen? I mean, when you head into Dallas and all that, Seattle, those games are still on the schedule. And their starting quarterbacks are healthy, including Russell Wilson, who might be the MVP of football this year. This time, we can't get away with, oh, he's out. <laughs> that little red marker with the L next to it that we had on our predictions, we could get the green marker on right W now because there's no Patrick Mahomes. But then Matt Moore, Mr. Magic Moore, Mr. Magic Man, I guess you could call him, who couldn't beat the Packers last week, just magically can beat us because he just can. And that's what happened. Um every aspect of the game. Freaking disappointing, man. Freaking disappointing. Below average defense, one of the worst rushing defenses in the league, allowing 150 yards a carry of the best running back in football, and he averages 3.4 a carry because the blocking wasn't there, and Kansas City was, oh, they were motivated, boy. They're going to prove everybody wrong. They're a great defense. I guess. I guess they were. Uh, Delvin Cook never got loose. 12 yards for his long. 71 yards on the ground. But still, that's respectable. Still respectable numbers. Then you have Damian Williams, where the tackling, I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, nobody was ready for that when, I don't know why that is. I mean, Harris did not look good in that play. He looked like a fool, along with everyone else. Everyone else was kind of on the wrong side of the field because they, they were just totally fooled on the play, and there was no recovery. It was just too bleeping late. It was just too bleeping late. The angles were not there. Damian Williams, 99, 91 yards. To pay dirt. That was disgusting. That was the longest run play in Chiefs history, and that's really crazy to imagine that. They've been around since before the Super Bowl and all that crap. Laquan Treadwell led the Vikings in receiving yards. That's an urban legend if I've ever seen one. He actually made a couple of key third down receptions, including one of them a 26-yarder. So that was cool. There were some cool moments. C.J. Ham made a nice scamper. If only he was a tiny bit faster, he might have gone all the way. That was cool. 32 yards on the screen there because nobody was on the guy. Along with uh, Amir Abdullah, nobody was on him either. 16 yards into the end zone. That was a big-time play there. Good creative play there. That was at the end of one of the better drives of the game. But other than that, the play calling was pretty predictable on most of the drives. The Vikings did manage to score three touchdowns in the game, which was good. And the missed extra point was disgusting. There was that. Um, You had your moments. You had your positive moments, your negative moments. Vikings defense, the defensive pass rush was just not there most of the game. It was a, it was decent in some moments, but generally not. The secondary was very weak in the game. Uh, you just kind of, I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know what, what really can you say. And again, Kirk Cousins, very inaccurate. And magically, uh, Britton Colquitt, did I call him Quinn Colquitt? I keep doing that. Britton Colquitt. Going against his brother Dustin. Cool little story. Greatest story ever. The Colquitt Punting Brothers. Gotta love them. And there's even another Colquitt out there, and his dad was a punter and all that. Their dad was a punter and all that. Pretty beautiful. No touchback or anything for Britain, but the shank was brutal. And of course, the fact that he had to punt eight times because of those gosh darn Mickey freaking penalties didn't help either. Um, eight penalties. Eight penalties. Eight penalties. Eight penalties. Eight punts in the game. At least three of them were first downs. That ended up giving the Vikings second and or third and long. That ended up resulting in a punch. Second and long, third and long. That ended up, you know, killing the drive. They were drive killers. Momentum killers. The Vikings were moving forward into Chiefs territory, field goal range. And they ended up effing punting because of the effing penalties. And they're the kind of penalties that just 
Why? Just, just why? Why? Stupid ass penalties. Penalties that were not necessary. Again, you can't even think of, don't even think of blaming the refs for this. This is completely on the Vikings, the, the loss today. 100%. Play calling, weird timeout call late in the game by Mike Zimmer again. I, I, I don't know what the point of that was. Just sack the freaking guy. Just, just let the, I, I don't even know where to go there. Um, it was stupid. The whole thing was a joke. Um, Harrison Smith, big blitz late in the game. That was cool. I thought Harrison Smith was wonderful in the game for the most part, though. Again, I mean, nobody was perfect. Nobody was perfect in this game. Trey Waynes beat badly on multiple occasions, though he did have a pass deflection. Again, Anthony Harris had maybe the weakest angle I've ever seen on that uh, 91-yard run. I just don't even want to remember it. Uh, you just couldn't get loose on anything in this game, hardly. I mean, you, you had your moments, but there was never that big defensive play, that big interception that you could go to uh, Matt Moore into. You could never go Matt Moore into that big interception that would have put the game away when the Vikings had the short lead there. You just could never get the job done there, and they ended up being able to tie the game and end up finishing it. That 54-yard bleeping kick by uh, Butker was extremely frustrating. That's a weird name. <laughs> Harrison Butker. 54 yards. Ugh. And, I, and he was over 2 from 50 yards leading into this uh, game, the first eight games into the season. And, of course, magically he nails it, like, right down the middle. And it was so frustrating. And, of course, he nailed the 40-yarder to end the game, 44-yarder, 45-yarder to end the game. Ugh, whatever. So frustrating. Extremely frustrating situation there. And uh, what are you going to do? What what the hell can you do? I mean, it's just uh, Jerry Burns said it the rest. I mean, what's hurting us the most is the little things. And yeah, let's just let him say what I want to say right now. What the hell? What the hell can you do? Jerry Burns, nineteen eighty nine, about thirty years ago, this week or so, uh, early November, nineteen eighty nine, thirty years ago, uh, owed to that. He's still living and he's still kicking. The old man, he old timer now in his nineties, just like Bud Grant and. He often says uh, he can't believe he actually said all that stuff. He can't believe it. <laughs> but as much as he, you know, swore all the time back in the day, he can't believe he went that far and went that crazy during that press conference. But sometimes when you're emotional and pissed off, you're gonna you're gonna get that way. And I think a lot of Minnesota Viking fans uh, today are feeling exactly the way Jerry Burns did. Even though we won that game by three points, this one you lose and. Just a just a Mickey freaking mess. It was a big purple pile of you know what. That's that's what it was. Uh, there were some big plays in the game that made you excited, made you think that we're going to walk out of here. We're going to finally pull away. Maybe it's going to be thirty four to twenty six or thirty four to twenty three, thirty four twenty one, whatever. And we're going to get this thing just like Detroit when the Vikings pulled away. Uh, games like that. Even Washington when we screwed around with them for way too long. But there was just never that moment. There was never that big play to Stefan Diggs. Only one catch in the game. Adam Thielen played for a couple seconds and he was out again, so I guess probably got to sit him out again, and that's great. Here we go again with the hamstring issues, just like last year with Delvin Cook when you finally got him when the season was just about over oh, last year. Mm-mm. Painful, painful. This is one of those kind of games that, uh, you know, if we make the playoffs, yay, we're going to be like 10-6, and 9-7. You know, 10-6 and six looks very realistic, possibly. Still got to go... Four and three, though, to get there. That's the thing. You gotta have a winning record just to get to ten and six now. So, ouch. Seven and two is a hell of a lot sexier than six and three. That's all I gotta say. Good record. 
There are teams out there that would kill for that. I mean, the Miami Dolphins today, Jacksonville Jaguars, Tennessee Titans would kill to be 6-3 and three right now. So there's always that. But the NFC is so freaking top-heavy. It's like good luck. You have no chance of getting any first-round bye. Uh, very unlikely to catch the Packers. It's possible, but it's unlikely. Let's be honest. Let's just be honest. Let's just look at the big picture here. Take the take the red pill. Wake up. Let's let's not take the blue pill. Take the red one. You know, wake up and look at reality. It's probably not going to work out. And I hate saying that. I, I wish it would work out. Go Chargers. That's all I got to say right now. But I don't have my hopes too high. It's not that big of a deficit. It's two. It's two scores. But they're, yeah, whatever. We'll see. That's actually kind of impressive by the Chargers though to keep that goose egg uh, halfway through the game there against the Green Bay Packers. That's cool. Oakland's winning against Detroit at this second. Of course, we'll have the we'll have all those finals going into the second segment like we always do. <sighs> Looking forward to that Sunday night game. The uh, Patriots. Uh, visiting the team that used to knock them out of the playoffs in the uh, in the early 2010s, we'll say, and in the late 20, uh, 2000s, we used to knock them out all the time with the Joe, in the Joe Flacco era when he actually could play. <laughs> I don't even know. So many things you could say about this game, though. Oh, so many things you can say, but it's like, am I just rehashing? Am I just going over this? Just the fact that Kirk Cousins completed 50% of his passes. Just the fact there was just no big play. He had the three touchdowns. He didn't turn the ball over. He was only sacked once. So credit Kirk Cousins for not throwing the ball away. Credit Kirk Cousins for not fumbling. Credit Kirk Cousins for, you know, throwing the ball into the other team is what I'm trying to say. Throw an interception. Credit Kirk Cousins for not having that weird mental gaffe when he, like, tries to be Magic Johnson with the football. And it's a... Uh, it's a football field, not a basketball court, and uh, funny things happen, and you have, like, the scariest fumble ever, that type of thing. Um, <laughs> we are trying to do a uh, underhand pass behind your back or something, the heck he was doing, to somebody who's not even there, and then it's a live ball. Yeah, there were a couple of those last year. Um, Kirk Cousins has eliminated a lot of those weird gaffes, but the accuracy just wasn't there today. It just wasn't there. He had some opportunities where there was time, and then the plays just weren't there. The play just wasn't there. And that kind of sums it all up. The play wasn't there. The big defensive stop wasn't there. The the dagger, the dagger interception, uh, strip sack, whatever the heck you want. Strip sack, safety on Matt Moore, whatever the heck it would be when you pinned him way back in their zone on like the, the two-yard line. You just, you never got that big play, the safety, the strip sack. The pick six, you know, from 16 yards away, whatever, that would seal the game. It just never had it. It just never happened. You, you were thinking, here comes that big play, and it just never came. Um, it just never came. It just never came. Guys were open for the Chiefs. They'd always get those bleeping first downs. Travis Kelsey, big plays. Uh, he had a big holding call, but that, they ended up getting the first down anyway, which was just mind-numbing. Third and... 21, and you still couldn't get the stop. It was just mind-numbing. Uh, second and 21, pardon me. Then they made it third and four, and they got it. And it's just, you know, that, it's moments like that where when you were like, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to win today, are we? We're just not going to win today. I, I could feel it in that stupid Buckner with that stupid 54-yarder. You just knew we weren't going to win the game because it's just always the Chiefs, always the Chiefs. And it's not being negative. It's not being, oh, you're not a good fan. But games like today when you're analyzing what's going on it's not about if you're a good fan you know stop stop that crap any of you out there that want to wear the purple and gold shades just get the heck out of here you know with that kind of crap this is not the day for that 
this is a day for analyzing on you know analyzing the truth and it just had that feeling like we're not going to win are we and the fact that we haven't won there in 45 flipping years it's disgusting and probably going to get into the well depending on how long it takes till we play there again it might be 50 years till we get the next opportunity so we might reach the 50 year mark hopefully the vikings can end that because obviously most likely the next time we play the chiefs it'll be in u.s bank stadium which hopefully would result in a win because it's been fairly back and forth between the two teams kind of like green bay minnesota and some for a while they're detroit and chicago kind of like that. Kansas City would fit right in the NFC North, wouldn't they? But, uh, well, they're not in the NFC North. They're in the AFC West. Oh, boy. Oh, the inaccuracy. 50 bleeping percent. 50 bleeping percent. And, you know, 38 attempts. It's just, you're, we're not going to win a game when Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball 38 times. You know, you pay him $28 million a year and all that, and we could talk about that till we're blue in the face, but the Vikings are not going to win the game when you have Dalvin Cook against one of the worst run defenses in the league. And you're attempting 38 passes. The situations the Chiefs put the Vikings in kind of forced our hand a little bit. But at the same time, some of the play calling wasn't up to par. It was not up to par today. With a couple of excellent exceptions along the way, which got the Vikings to the, the, the number 23, which unfortunately was not the uh, not enough. It just wasn't enough uh, at the end of the day. The schemes weren't there. The adjustments weren't good enough down the stretch. And again, the big defensive stop wasn't there to put it in a nutshell. Tyreek Hill burned the living bleep out of uh, Trey Wayne throughout the game today. Six six, uh, six catches, 140 yards, and did get into the end zone once, including a huge 41-yarder that just made you, you know, that was one of the big quote-unquote dagger type of plays that put the Chiefs in position to win the football game or tie the football game or whatever. Uh, big plays down the stretch by uh, Tyreek Hill that killed the Vikings, just killed us, killed the Vikings in a big way. Travis Kelsey was contained me uh, reasonably, reasonably, but he did get some, a couple of big third down receptions. The Chiefs were pretty solid on third down down the stretch, at least when it mattered most. They got what they needed to get. I mean, they got what they needed to get. That, that's just what there is to say about that. Third down efficiency. Chiefs were 4 of 13, but it down the stretch, though, <laughs> two or three of those conversions were what cost the Vikings down the stretch, and again, the fourth down as well, in uh, deep in Viking territory, which ended up getting the Chiefs into the end zone down the stretch, cost the Vikings big time. Both both teams converted on their one-fourth down attempt. Entertaining football game? Entertaining football game, you know? Yes, entertaining, but frustrating at the end of the day. Very, 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 very frustrating at the end of the day. With that said... We're going to pass out the awards and demerits and the urban legend. Well, we'll uh, go with the uh, Fran Turkington Award for today's game. I'm going to go with Harrison Smith. I thought he was one of the few one of the few true diamonds out there along the way. I thought he was pretty good. I can't give it to Treadwell, but then again, it wasn't his fault that Kirk Cousins overthrew him on the third down there. That ended up being one of the punts late in the game that cost the Vikings. Cost the Vikings an opportunity to win the game. Uh, Kyle Rudolph was very valuable down the stretch. Didn't put up spectacular numbers, but was valuable. Amir Abdullah, very nice, uh, very nice showing today. I'd have to say, I'm going to give the, uh, I am going to give the, <laughs> believe it or not, somebody in the secondary. Yes, can you believe I'm doing this? But Harrison Smith was very strong most of the game. Certainly wasn't perfect. Nobody was perfect in this game. McKenzie Alexander deserves a ton of recognition for how how good of a player he truly is. He has really come around now in his third year in the NFL. He has come around very nicely. 
very impressed with what he's been able to accomplish. Uh, Harrison Griffin was pretty solid in the game as well, but I thought Harrison Smith was solid. Harrison Smith's going to give it to him today. Might not be the best choice ever in, in some of your eyes, but there's no obvious Fran Targington Award winner today. There's nobody that's obvious for that. The Christian Ponder Memorial, it could go to a lot of people. It could go to a lot of people. Trey Wade's getting burned time and time again by Terry Kale. Even though he was fairly close to him, he still got beat. He still got beat, and it was freaking frustrating. The play calling, you could say that. Uh, just the big play was just never bleeping there, and it just made you sick. It's got to go to uh, it's going to go to Bradbury and Elfline today. I thought they really let Kirk Cousins down. I thought they screwed the Vikings in big moments, big momentum plays that might have led to the Vikings getting thirty points today. Thirty points would have won the game. Thirty, thirty points would have won the game today. The uh, the Chiefs would not have won the game. Period. If the Vikings got one more touchdown and one of those drives that end up getting killed on those bleeping penalties, it's going to be Bradbury and Elfline. Pat Elfline are going to bring in the. Uh, well, Bradbury. I'm going to give it to Bradbury because of those huge holding calls. But Elfline in general was awful today, too. I'll give it to him. I can't give it to Klein. That penalty was brutal and killed us, but Bradbury had two of them, so he's going to share it with Elfline today. Big, big letdown by those two guys in uh, today's game. So with that said, we'll take a quick break, come back, and look across the National Football League and preview next week's showdown on Sunday night. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two, the world famous, in my opinion. I'm just joking around. The, <laughs> my favorite little second segment, which is often the longest, kind of looking around the league and looking at the NFC North and, of course, previewing next week's game, which will be, well, just like I do every segment two and three, we got uh, Sunday night football flashing in the background on the TV every single show, at least when I record on Sundays. And next week, the Dallas Cowboys and Minnesota Vikings will be flashing on the screen at this time, so Purple Mafia will not be recorded on Sunday, possibly Monday morning or sometime during the week or Monday night. We'll see what happens. I'll do my best to get this show out, though, because obviously this is a tough time of year, busy, busy time of year, so if I can't get it on Sunday, i got to squeeze it somehow. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Just giving you a heads up about that. Of course, the Vikings lost to the Bleepin' Chiefs, and Thursday night, that was... Uh, the previous week was Minnesota and the Washington Redskins. But this the, this week, San Francisco and Arizona, that's your week opener every single week. <clears throat> As I'm talking very strangely now. A couple of red clubs, San Francisco and Arizona. And of course, we're congratulating another red team which won the World Series this past week. The Washington Nationals ended up pulling it off pretty damn cool. Their first World Series championship in the city of Washington, D.C., if that's a city or district or whatever you want to call it, the nation's capital. Uh, their first World Series championship since 1924 when Walter Johnson led the club to the World Series championship. And again, 1924, so another one of those unbelievable droughts came to an end. Of course, Washington, D.C. won the Stanley Cup just a year and a half ago, 20, uh, June 2018, so the city didn't have a big drought. The city with the longest drought right now of the major sports towns in in this uh, of the four core sports <clears throat> is Minneapolis-St. Paul. Yeah, so we've got the longest drought pretty much. Even Cleveland, Ohio ended their drought 
not too long ago. But again, for baseball, that was pretty much the longest drought, other than, again, the Cleveland Indians, as they'd been there the whole time. Washington Senators left uh, well, left the uh, nation's capital to move to Bloomington, Minnesota, to become the Minnesota Twins. So that's news for some of you that haven't heard that. There's a, I like to talk history on this show. We'll be talking Vikings and Cowboys history. There is quite a bit of it. It's probably the two most, uh, the teams that have been in the playoffs about as much as anybody in playoff history since uh, at least the Super Bowl era, including now the New England Patriots have jumped up that chart because they've been to like, <laughs> you know, eight Super Bowls in that time. So pretty cool. Nine Super Bowls, actually. They lost three and won six. But no, the uh, Washington Nationals end up winning the World Series. Congratulations. Uh, again, the uh, original Washington Senators are the Minnesota Twins today. So that franchise still exists, believe it or not. And it's in, well, it plays in Minneapolis, Minnesota in Target Field. Let's get back to football. Sorry, I had to congratulate the Washington Nationals, though. That was a very exciting accomplishment. One final note I'll make up right now. Uh, not make up, but uh, jump to is what is up with home teams in Game 7s lately? They never win anymore. Didn't the home team usually have, like, an immortality factor in, like, championship-clinching, you know, Game 7s? You know, like, World Series 91, the Twins won. 87, the Twins. The, the you know, it's just time and time again. The Anaheim Angels in Game 7 of the, you know, 2002, the Florida Marlins, 1997, blah, blah, blah. You could go on forever. You know, the, the Miami Heat over the San Antonio Spurs in uh, 2014, blah, blah, blah. You could go on forever, but then all of a sudden now the road team wins every time. So, kind of interesting. Let's finally get back to football. There I go rambling on, but I guess that was only three minutes or so. San Francisco 49ers barely beat Arizona in State Farm Stadium. So, kind of cool there. Kyler Murray put up some numbers. Jimmy Garoppolo had a very, very nice game. Four touchdown passes for him. A very fun effort there against an Arizona defense that didn't really, didn't, you know, you know, didn't really, they put up a decent effort. They kept the Niners to 28, but then again, the Niners aren't really a high-scoring team all the time. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. This is a pretty good battle. This is probably the best Thursday night game in, in a little while here. Obviously, Minnesota-Washington wasn't too good. Kyler Murray... 130 quarterback rating, Jimmy Garoppolo, 136.9, so basically 137. No interceptions or fumbles by either quarterback. San Francisco's running back by committee, doing a good job there. Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida doing well there, at least, well, Breida anyway, almost five yards a carrier over that. Kenyon Drake did a heck of a job in Arizona, 110 yards, 7.3 a carry, had a scamper along the way. Pretty entertaining back-and-forth battle between the 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals, but the Niners now 8-0, and the Patriots' chances of being 8-0 as that's flashing on the screen right now, really diminishing in a hurry. Just one minute into the second quarter, and their old nemesis is the Baltimore Ravens back in the Flacco era, who always were the team that seemed to knock the Patriots down either in the regular season or in, say, the divisional round or even in the conference final in the AFC Championship in 2012. They were always kind of the kryptonite. Yep, there it is. They were literally like the kryptonite for the New England Patriots in the AFC. And, well, it's happening again. Um, Patriots overcame it for a while because they started sucking, basically. Yep, and there's Ed Reed. That's Ed Reed with his gray beard already. Gosh, I can't believe he's... can't believe how much my generation's aging so quickly. Obviously, Brady, 42 years old, just two years older than me. And uh, they're down 17 nothing. Crazy. So we'll see what happens with those two clubs. San Francisco 8-0. They might be the last 
undefeated team after tonight. We'll see what happens. Houston Texans roll all over the Jacksonville Jaguars. <clears throat> Deshaun Watson, another awesome effort, 26-3 over the Jaguars as the Jaguars drop below 500 yet again. Kind of back where they started, per se. <clears throat> Despite some nice games for Gardner Minshew, today was definitely not one of them. Probably his worst game of the season so far. 47 attempts and couldn't get anything into the end zone. He was a turnover machine today. A couple of interceptions, lost a couple of fumbles and strip sacks and such. Deshaun Watson didn't put up great numbers, but was extremely efficient. Only 28 attempts, which I like, actually. It's not good to have like 40-some attempts. It's, it's not, but it also, that's how it goes. Uh... Jacksonville is behind. They had to kind of move the ball a little quicker than just running, running, running and not use up the clock. That's NFL 101. Very efficient game by Deshaun Watson. Carlos Hyde ran all over those Jacksonville Jaguars for 160 yards. Wow. Didn't even get in the end zone, but just ran up the yards, burned the clock, and kind of smooth sailing for the uh, (laughs) Houston Texans. Carlos Hyde, huge game for him. Leonard Fournette obviously couldn't get the ball much because they were behind the whole game. And again, that's just how it goes. Let's move on for the sake of time. So now we'll move on to Tennessee and Carolina, or should I say Carolina and Tennessee. The Panthers hosting this one, Bank of America Stadium, 30-20 to victory for the Carolina Panthers. They're still hanging around in the playoff hunt and catching up to us thanks to, thanks to fate not going the right way for us today. Tannehill, not, not one of his better games. The Carolina defense kind of showing up a bit. Kyle Allen, nothing spectacular. Not a great quarterback game, though Tannehill did throw for 331 yards, so you got that. 30-plus attempts for both quarterbacks. Derrick Henry helped Tennessee get their victory, almost five yards of carry. Christian McCaffrey all over the place. Uh, Tennessee did not get the victory. I'm just losing my mind here. Christian McCaffrey all over the place today, though. Six yards of carry. My goodness. I mean, he is a franchise running back. If you've ever seen one, Two touchdowns in the game. Again, he's he's easily a first-round pick in any fantasy draft, I would think, even though most people would think, oh, you know, you can't take a running back in the first round. Well, Christian McCaffrey, you can feel pretty confident taking him in the first round because you're going to get points. Uh, Three touchdowns today, two rushing and one receiving. Ron Rivera leading his club to victory over the Tennessee Titans. A big win for them, and Tennessee continues to drop, just like the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC South, to four and five. It's a solid division in terms of the basement, but generally speaking, not a very good division, I'd have to say, the NFC, uh, the AFC South, or the NFC South, you know, still hanging in there pretty strong with those <laughs> those uh, New Orleans Saints, especially. 5-3 and three record for Carolina, Carolina. Pittsburgh Steelers kind of going a little bit semi-old school today, still kind of hanging on in that AFC North, second place, but the first place team is looking like a first place team right now. Now they're 10 points ahead of the New England Patriots, the six-time champions, of course. Indianapolis Colts drop down to second, 5-3 and three record. 26-24, to 24, Pittsburgh Steelers kind of a old-school victory in Heights Field today. Not a bad game for the aforementioned Steelers. Hoyer was the quarterback for an extended period today. That's interesting. Unfortunately, Jacoby Brissett banged up, and that's not good. Hopefully for the best there. That didn't help. In a lot of ways, I got to think. Didn't help at all for Jacoby Rissett uh, and, uh, and the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Though Brian Hoyer is one of the better backups. And he actually had a pretty good game. Unfortunately, a couple turnovers. Mason Rudolph, very accurate, but a, a turnover nonetheless as well. Marlon Mack leading the club on the ground, blah, blah, blah. You could just kind of go on forever. Trey Edmonds, six yards of carry for Pittsburgh. But that's to, thanks to a 
45-yard scamper. And the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, Pittsburgh Pirate Steelers still kind of hanging on in a big way. The Pirate Steelers, or the Steeling Pirates, I don't know. I'm just screwing around here. Quietly losing my mind here. The Miami Dolphins, well, they're the first... Uh, they were the first team to go undefeated. They will not be the uh, second team to go winless. So there you go. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? They've been undefeated and then winless. Well, they will not be winless. The Miami Dolphins win today. We'll come back to Chicago, Philly. as uh, The uh, NFC North had a really, really bad day today. Uh, the NFC North had a very, very bad day today. Let's just leave that as is. As bad as it can possibly get, pretty much, outside of ma- major injuries. Well, hopefully that didn't happen. Miami Dolphins, 1-7. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for three touchdowns. That's the Ryan Fitzpatrick we all knew and remembered from the Jets, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and such. Now the Miami Dolphins just kind of moving a little bit, a uh, little north of Tampa into Miami. No, I'm just <laughs> a little moving a little east of Tampa is more like it. More east of Tampa into Miami, Florida, Florida in Hard Rock Stadium where, well, they got their first win. Maybe they'll be 1-15, 2-14 regardless They'll be looking for their franchise quarterback because I don't think Sam Rosen is going to do it. Sam Darnold didn't exactly help the New York Jets either. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You want to talk about the Miami Dolphins and all this. Not only did they get their first win today, but they now own the tiebreaker over the New York Jets. (laughs) They own the tiebreaker over the New York Jets. They're in third place in the AFC East. You know what you think? Third place? It's not a good place to be usually unless it's a really strong division. But it's like, okay, you're not the worst team. You're at least kind of semi-mediocre, maybe semi-respectable. Maybe you're four and five, five and four, four and four, whatever the heck. One and seven, third place team. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I mean, that's that's really funny. New York Jets now hold the the uh, grand. <laughs> they now hold the grand oozing smelly award for worst team in football. They now own it, despite the fact they got a victory a couple of weeks ago. New York Jets are now the worst team in football officially, and they have what they thought was a franchise quarterback, though he turns the ball over a lot. Only one today. But Ryan Fitzpatrick had the best quarterback game for the Miami Dolphins this season, easily. Three touchdowns, 118 quarterback rating. Doesn't get much better than that. And Le'Veon Bell is learning more and more and more, even though as mediocre as the Steelers are, and it's pretty much going to be a lost season. You could just keep saying this every week. Every time we go back to the New York Jets and talk about Le'Veon Bell and the New York Jets and they're a team that I thought might have had a crack making the postseason this year. Maybe they just maybe could have been in the hunt. They're not in any hunt for anything. I mean, they're not in a hunt for anything at all. And they're in the hunt for the first pick in the draft because they're going to get it right now the way if the season ended. Le'Veon Bell, boy, was that really worth the holdout? I mean, can we keep saying that and you lose a whole season and don't make anything out of it? Maybe an endorsement or two, but it's probably a grudging endorsement from somebody like, I guess we'll, I guess we'll still pay you. <laughs> oh, what a waste. Jamison Crowder as well, another name. <clears throat> Going to the Jets thinking they might be a, heading in the right direction, more positive direction for the New York Jets after an okay season last year. Okay for their standards of late. Yeah, they stink. Oh, they stink, and everybody knows it, and they know it, and it's not fun. It's not fun at all. <clears throat> Buffalo, easy win over Washington, kind of similar to the Vikings. Washington just can't score. They just can't score. Yet, uh, Adrian Peterson getting to the century mark, see, because even though you're down by a billion points, you better still give the ball to Adrian Peterson. You have to give it to him because you just have to, because he's, he's just, you know, he makes the rules, baby. 
He is the Ryan Suter of the NFL, I'm telling you. Ryan Suter of the Minnesota Wild, 34 years old. Adrian Peterson, 34 years old. They're both born in 1985, and they're similar that way. you got to keep playing them nonstop, you know, even though they're past their prime. Okay, maybe Ryan Suter's still pretty good with the Wild, but eh, it's kind of turning into a big waste. Um, <clears throat> always leading the Wild in time on ice, despite he's probably not the best defenseman on the Wild. Adrian Peterson. Still getting to the century mark. Now, he had a really good game to his uh, to his credit. Six yards a carry. I mean, that's about as good as it gets for a 34-year-old running back. You're not going to get that very often. So, good for him climbing that ladder, trying to get into that top five, top four. We'll see what happens. But Buffalo cruising along, trying to catch those New England Patriots. <laughs> trying to catch those Patriots, and maybe they'll get within a game if uh, things continue. But uh, Edelman, whoa, that was a scary-looking play there, but he caught it and got the first down, and he's okay. Good for him, and the Patriots are moving, and uh, you can't count the Patriots out. Oh, Atlanta Falcons have a pretty good idea about that, and I could bring that up for like 15 times. Uh, the guy that's, again, Adrian Peterson's chasing, one of the guys he's chasing, Frank Gore, did not have a good game, only a yard and a half, but again, Buffalo, what that really matters, I don't know why I'm even bringing up Adrian Peterson. What's the point other than good for him with the stats? That's all he cares about at this point. 24-9, to nine, easy win for the Buffalo Bills, 6-2, and two, and very much cruising towards the postseason in the AFC. They would be, uh, they would be on the road. They'd have to be because you don't host wildcard games anymore unless you win a division uh, title. So Buffalo's going to have to go on the road if they like it or not. Right now, if the season ended today, they'd be hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. That'd be a very interesting matchup, and I think I'd be cheering for the Bills, especially after today's game. I don't know. I'm ugh. ugh. You know, I like the Chiefs, but every time we play them, it's just, ugh. There's just a different aura. There's just a different feeling. Every time we play them, it just, ugh. Feels like they're rubbing it in our face, and their fan base is obnoxious and all that, and that that sound they make all the time every single game that sounds like the Atlanta Braves in the early 90s, and they probably still do it in Atlanta, too. Yeah, that sound. It gets under your skin after a while. Okay, we get the point, okay? Jeez. Yeah, but um, pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Kansas City's still in first place. That's why they're, you know, that's why they'll be hosting a game. So, in the first round, even though they're only the fourth seed now. Oh, man. It's pretty wild, pretty wild. Baltimore just might be a, a first-round bye. Let's see if they keep this up. Good for Buffalo, though, at least hanging in there. Let's move on. Uh, Washington is like a big nothing right now. Uh, Tampa Bay and Seattle, high-scoring game. Again, Seattle is not the Legion of Boom. We all know, not the Legion of Boom. They're the Legion of uh, bend but don't break. I mean, they gave up 34 points to a sucky Tampa team, but they are capable of putting points on the board. Their defense just sucks. They're kind of the opposite of what Tampa Bay was under Tony Dungy back in the day. Maybe somewhat closer to uh, Chucky's days with more offensive uh, approach, but the defense was still the main reason why they won the Super Bowl under Chucky. I mean, that's a, that's a game in Warren Sapp and all those other stars with a couple of offensive players that could play a little bit. And a prima donna guy or two named, uh, yeah, well, we, we all know who they are, and if you don't know, who cares? It's too long ago now, right, for you? Russell Wilson, pretty much a perfect game. Five touchdowns. I mean, it's a dream game for any quarterback. Throwing five touchdowns, quarterback rating 133, 378 yards. Russell Wilson's just making it look easy. He's the MVP of football right now, and I think a lot of us would kill to have Russell Wilson as quarterback of the Vikings right now, because if he was, I think the Vikings might be undefeated today. I think the Vikings might be 9-0. I think so. I, I think anybody in this in anybody in this audience that I can't see right now, 
Anybody out there, if Russell Wilson was the Vikings quarterback, do you think there's a pretty good chance this team would be 9-0? and Anybody hands raised? Anybody out there raising their hand? I wish you could tell me, but uh, there's a pretty good chance Vikings could be 9-0, and 7-2 and for sure, 8-1. and I mean, first round bye would be very much in play right now, and I don't think the Packers would be in first place. Let's leave that as is. Uh, you know, I hate Russell Wilson only because he's on the frickin' Seahawks. I wish he was here. I really do. I really do. I mean, he's the dream quarterback of the Vikings. Gotta tell you, maybe we'll get him when he's 38 or something. That's that's kind of our way around here. We'll get him when he's 38. Maybe he'll get one good year, and then he'll stink after that. NFC North continues to suck. We'll wrap it up with uh, Vince Germano's club losing to uh, Gerald Strings' club. Gerald Strings' secondary club, anyway. Uh, Gerald out of Nebraska, of course. His secondary club, just like my secondary club, is flashing on the screen right now, the Patriots. and Looks like they just fumbled. That's great. Looks like maybe they just fumbled. Uh, it's one of those mixes where everybody's, well, they got it. Well, everybody's pointing their direction. We got it. No, we got it. Well, no, Baltimore did get it, and it was definitely a fumble. No, it wasn't. I don't know. That sucks. Well, the camera wasn't exactly facing the ball. Elbow hit the ground. Okay, yeah, whatever. Denver Broncos won their third game. Cleveland just, again, I mean, opportunity was very much there, and they just couldn't capitalize at all. They had every chance in the world to win this game. Um, Empower Field, all that. Denver Broncos with three wins somehow this year. <laughs> I can't believe the Broncos have three wins. Talk about a team in need of like a yeah, quarterback of the future. This, this just not been working out. Odell Beckham, whatever. Just a weird guy. Jarvis Landry. All these talented players, but they just cannot get it together. Two and six. Forget about winning any, any division. Forget about the playoffs. They're going to be Six and six and ten probably by the end of the year, maybe five and eleven. I mean, it's it's not good. They're winning more games than they did under Hugh Jackson and stuff, but that's nothing to brag about. Uh, Noah Fant been a hell of a tight end for uh, Denver. That's something to look forward to at the very least. Now if they can get a better quarterback, that would help. Brandon Allen wasn't that bad though. I mean, he actually was respectable. He completed his passes. He made plays. He didn't turn the ball over. And Baker Mayfield was just average at best, and I don't know, Cleveland's just not playing like a winning team right now, and that's just all there is to say, and Vince Germano, Vinrock Vince Germano, who often retweets the show on Twitter, which I thank him so very much, is, uh, his frustration is mounting, and I don't blame him, and after today's game, my frustration is mounting too. Philadelphia Beagles hosting the, the Bears, the Beagles and the Bears. Philadelphia Eagles still hanging on with that 5-4 and four record. See, they're, 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 they got a winning record. Kirk Cousins beat a team with a winning record, and they had a winning record when they played the Vikings, too. Yeah, see? You know, we we got to make sure we count that. So, damn it. Because if we don't, they were, you know, yeah, we were just shortchanging the poor guy. The Bears continue to plummet after they smoked us really good and a couple other teams kind of inched past the Denver Broncos along the way. Oh, they, they're, they're back to being the mediocre Bears that couldn't make the playoffs, couldn't really do a whole lot under John Fox. They're kind of right back where they started before uh, Nagy took over. They're right back where they started. Just two years into Nagy's career now, or a year and a half into Nagy's career, and they're probably already talking about uh, firing him. Can you imagine? They're already talking about it. Mitchell Trubisky looks like a lousy quarterback, and his quarterback rating kind of sums up what uh, thing the, the direction of that offense. 6-6.6. Six, six Can we say any more? It's a pretty devilishly bad offense. Couldn't even complete 50% of his passes. He didn't turn the ball over, but he just sucks. He just sucks. And, you know, this is the same team Kirk Cousins lit up. 
To be fair, this is CenturyLink Field, CenturyLink Park, CenturyLink Field. Lincoln Financial Field. I'm going crazy. That's uh, Seattle. Stupid. Lincoln Financial Field. Um, to be fair, it's Lincoln Financial. It's never easy to play there, ever. It never is. I think we have a pretty good idea of that. Vikings almost never win there, except we actually we did last year when, when we weren't even a playoff team. So we, we win there when it doesn't matter a whole lot. But when it matters and everything's on the line, no, no, we don't we don't win there. Like I say, it's a crucial game late in the season. We need to get home field or whatever. That would have helped us possibly way back in 92 when the Vikings were playing very well. And we just got, you know, we, we just simply got beat, blah, blah, blah. Well, 22-14, to 14, Chicago continues to suck. Carson Wentz was above average, and that's about it. He didn't blow anybody away. He was just okay. Jordan Howard, well above average, the former Bears running back, kind of taking it to his team there. About four and a half yards of carry, 80 yards, and got in the end zone. Just a consistent, solid, good running back, and Zach Ertz was an excellent Pro Bowl tight end that he is over the century mark again. The nookie blanky for Carson Wentz. Ever since uh, the two were put together, Cordero Patterson couple of moments of the kick returning with nothing too special. And the ancient, ever-ancient Darren Sproles hanging in there for Philadelphia. <laughs> kind of like, uh, yeah, kind of like our punt returner. <laughs> Marcus Sherrills, you almost forgot about that guy at this point. He's kind of been very much forgotten. He wasn't even punt returning today. 22-14, the Bears are, well, they're riding the pine in the NFC North. The NFC North, yep, it is what it is. Detroit Lions. They were on the road today. All of the NFC North was on the road, and all of the NFC North lost. Detroit Lions dropped a 3-4-1. and one. They lose to the 500 Oakland Raiders in Ring Central Coliseum. Ring Central Coliseum. Ring Central, huh? Yeah, in the 70s and early 80s, they, it was Ring Central, I suppose, for Oakland, but uh, I don't think they'll be sizing up any rings in, uh, in Oakland. Maybe in Las Vegas someday, if they turn out to be anything like the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, be an excellent team once they get there. But, uh, yeah, they won't be ring central anytime soon. Second place in the AFC West. So, going to be interesting. They're going to be knocking on the door of the Kansas City Chiefs. I wish, God, I wish the Vikings beat them today. The Chiefs, the Oakland would be knocking on the door to actually be in first place in that division. And nobody on this planet would have uh, suggested that as a possibility leading into the regular season. But when you have a franchise running back, a young franchise running back in Josh Jacobs, I guess anything's possible. He ran all over those Detroit Lions today. They used him as a bell cow today, and he did a heck of a job. <laughs> Derek Carr got a couple touchdowns. Stafford had his usual yardage machine type of day. Ten, uh, three touchdowns, and but again, a couple of interceptions were him. A little bit of Carson Palmer action mixed in. As good as Carson Palmer is, puts up the numbers, but then occasionally he would have those turnovers that would hurt you. And that's what happened with Stanford today. Oakland victors over uh, the hated Detroit Lions. And the most hated team of all got kind of run out of the gym, got run out of the stadium, just like the New England Patriots have been against Baltimore. So now Baltimore's doing the fumbling. <laughs> now Baltimore's doing the fumbling. That's kind of funny. <laughs> the Packers were down up to 19 to nothing in this game before they finally started knocking on the door a little bit attempting to make it interesting, but the Chargers defense stifled Aaron Rodgers in that first half to a 9 nothing score. You would have thought, yeah, it's 9 nothing, no, but the Packers are going to come roaring back, right? But then the Chargers just got better and better. They just kept moving the ball down the field, getting into the, getting another, getting another field goal and getting into the end zone to make it 19 nothing. That made all of us jump out of our seats. 
fly out of our couches and all that. Phillip Rivers didn't have a spectacular game in terms of the end zone, but he helped the club move the ball down the field. And at the end of the day, the Los Angeles Chargers win back-to-back games, and okay, they're kind of semi-back in the hunt, a little bit, with a 4-5 th- and five record in the AFC West. Still way behind, but the Green Bay Packers dropped to 7-2. and two. Just, uh, you know, it's good. Okay, so we're parallel. We didn't lose a game to the Packers today. That's good, but we could have gained one. We could have gained one, and we should have gained one. We should have gained a game against the Packers today. I mean, a little bit tighter defense from our secondary would have been nice. Trey Wayne's going to be bat the ball away on one of those plays that ended up uh, being uh, Tyreek Hill. One of those long plays if he could have just batted the ball away rather than, you know, getting beat time and time and time again. Maybe somebody may, gets, a, gets a good angle on the KC running back there. Just one little thing. Maybe we could have gained a game on the Packers. In fact, we would have been tied. And the only thing remaining would have been the tiebreaker. That would have been the only thing remaining. And maybe you beat them in the... Uh, you, you, if we're still tied and you beat them in U.S. Bank Stadium, the division's ours. And I don't know. We still may very well win the NFC North, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I mean, this was a golden opportunity for Minnesota, and it was scampered in a big way. Uh, it was absolutely uh, squandered in a big way. Not a good game for Aaron Rodgers. Good, solid defense by the Chargers, and it's more of the Chargers' defense than Aaron Rodgers being bad, of course. And uh, they definitely relied on him much more than... Uh, Aaron Jones, the other Aaron, though he did get a key first down when they were trailing 19 nothing, and he was dancing around as if he just, you know, as if he just got a big first down in the Super Bowl that uh, helped the Packers run the clock out. I, I don't know why he was, I don't know what he was so excited about, finally getting a first down, a lousy 30 yards in the game, getting a first down, trailing 19 nothing late in the third quarter. I wouldn't get too excited if I were you. God bless you and everything, Jones, but uh, I don't know about that. Nothing to get too excited about. Just had to throw that in. That kind of, that made me roll my eyes just a little bit. Well, Dallas Cowboys will be playing on Monday night football against one of their oldest rivals in the book, the New York Giants, the old NFC East division, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Giants, and the Cowboys, and the Washington Redskins, four classic teams that have been around since, like, forever. (laughs) Some of them all, you know, all 100 years. And like I said at the beginning of this segment, two teams that had pretty much played in more playoff games than anybody else during the Super Bowl era over the years, in the 70s, the, the late 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and today, uh, the Cowboys and the Vikings, playoff game after playoff game, playoff loss after playoff win, this and this bit and pieces. But unfortunately, Cowboys have five Super Bowls, and the Vikings have zero. But we've made it to the Super Bowl four times. All those were way back in the good old days. All-time series is 30 games, and the Dallas Cowboys lead it 16-14. to 14. Of course, a lot of those games back in the day, because the Vikings have had some decent success against the Dallas Cowboys. A couple of close games, unfortunately. Ah, looks like yeah, this is on the Cowboys side. Okay, so this pops up differently every week. Some weeks it pops up as a Cowboys, some weeks it pops up pops up as the Vikings, or say, I'm just saying the, the opponent, the whoever it is, the Bengals or the Buccaneers or whoever the heck it is, but the Dallas Cowboys. So whenever you see the green W, it's the Cowboys. The Cowboys and Vikings go all the way back to the first season, so that's good. So this time we actually played each other in the inaugural season. We played the Cowboys twice. Must have been in the same division back in those days. In fact, we probably were, right? (laughs) 1961. 1961, when the Washington Senators had just moved to uh, Bloomington 
And the Minnesota Vikings just got started in uh, a certain place called Bloomington as well. Met Stadium, Dallas Cowboys beat the Vikings the first four times in, uh, between these two teams. Wow, Vikings absolutely throttled the Cowboys in 1970. Whew, that's cool. Of course, that season, the Vikings did not get back to the Super Bowl after losing to the hated Chiefs. <clears throat> curse of 1969. Interesting uh, statistic here. Points scored. The Vikings actually leave the Cowboys 684 to 655, but again, the Cowboys lead the series 16 to 14, so hopefully Minnesota can get this thing very close to 500 after Sunday night next week. Cowboys again won their first four games against the Vikings, including both of them back in that inaugural season when the Vikings were not very good. They had a rookie named Tarkington. They had a coach named Norm Van Brocklin who didn't like him very much. And they had a couple of other weird quarterbacks that weren't very good. Vikings got beat on September 24th, way back. This must have been about the third, second or third game in Vikings history ever in the regular season in Dallas, 21-7. to This was even before the, uh, the old stadium there, the Texas Stadium. Wow, the old famed Texas Stadium where they won all those Super Bowls, you know, during that era, did the Cowboys. Um, just a week later, two weeks later, the Cowboys beat the Vikings 28 to nothing after they defeat him 28-7 in September. Then you wait five years. Cowboys beat the Vikings 28-17. The year after that, or two years later, literally two years later, Cowboys 20-7, and the Vikings finally put an end to it as the Vikings had made the Super Bowl the year before the defending NFL-slash-NFC champion Vikings 54-13 throttling the Cowboys. And then there was a playoff game, the first of many playoff games between these two teams, and the Cowboys get to claim victory in that one. They were the team to win the first playoff game between these clubs in 1971. A, a, an obscure year when you're thinking about the Minnesota Vikings. Tarkington hadn't come back yet. And the Vikings weren't going to the Super Bowl at that stage. 20-12, to 12, Vikings knocked out in the divisional playoff game there. And then you move on to the NFC Championship game. The Vikings knock off the Dallas Cowboys. 27-10 to 10 to get to our... <laughs> Get to what was our second Super Bowl, as we also returned in 1974. Vikings defeat the Cowboys 27-10 to in the NFC Championship game. Pretty cool stuff. That's the farthest these two teams ever faced each other. Can't face each other in the Super Bowl or anything. Oh, yeah, we did face each other again in 78. We'll get back to that. Interesting one there. One last gasp by the Vikings on New Year's Day. Interesting. Uh, 1974, where the Vikings returned to the Super Bowl to lose to the Steelers. They hated Steelers after losing to the Dolphins. The year before, 23 victory, 23 to 21 victory by the Vikings regular season game in early October, and then the most infamous game of all, the most infamous game of all, in Met Stadium divisional playoff game, which Vikings probably would have won the Super Bowl with this team, because the Denver Broncos were on the other side of the uh, in, the, in the AFC, and they were not even close. The Cowboys rolled over the remaining clubs in the NFC title game and in the Super Bowl to win it all after the infamous Drew Pearson push-off play. Vikings led by four points. Drew Pearson, a lot of us would tell you, <laughs> pushed off. And um, as Drew Pearson pushed off on the Viking defender. And next thing you know, <clears throat> there it was. Touchdown Cowboys in Med Stadium. And <laughs> the referee was then hit in the face with a glass bottle, a beer bottle most likely, a brown bottle, hit in the face. And uh, yeah, that was an incredible frustration for Minnesota fans. They were losing it. They were furious. And uh, the infamous, uh, <laughs> the all, the infamous, the refs took it away from us type of game. 
the feeling that we always feel that the uh, everybody wants the Cowboys or the other team in the Super Bowl, the big city club. They always want the other team to win in these big playoff games, and that fed that uh, conspiracy theory. Dallas Cowboys went on and won the Super Bowl easily over the Denver Donkeys in 1975. <clears throat> Vikings then defeated. Uh, Vikings then were defeated again in 1977 by the Cowboys in overtime, 16 to 10, a walk-off situation there, of course. And an NFC title game where the Vikings were giving it one last gasp with a young Tommy Kramer at quarterback. No, no, this was still targeting. Kramer was in 77, pardon me. Targeting broke his leg in 77 and then returned one last year in 78 and lost in the NFC Championship game 23-6. to That was basically the end of the Purple People era in a lot of ways because no more Tarkington and the other guys were getting old and kind of moving on. And This was our last chance to get to the Super Bowl. He lost 23-6 to in 1978 where the Cowboys uh, moved on and ended up losing to the Steelers in the Super Bowl, which, yeah, that's okay with us, I guess. <clears throat> that was on New Year's Day, NFC title game. So you continue forward from there. Let's not talk about all the games. Uh, Vikings ended up winning five in a row in the 90s after getting beat up by the Cowboys pretty bad in the early 90s. Uh, we would have played the Cowboys if we beat the Redskins back in 92, but we probably would have lost that game because the Cowboys went up and rolling to the Super Bowl that year. 95, you had a playoff. Uh, nope, this wasn't a playoff game. This was a, an overtime victory for the Cowboys in 95. 23-17, to 17, extreme frustration there by Minnesota early in what was a promising season. Vikings had a great offense, but the run defense just kind of disappeared in those mid-90s for some reason. Came back, though, later on in the Ed McDaniel era when he was healthier. In 96, the run defense was really bad, but our secondary was good. The Cowboys rolled all over a young Brad Johnson, 40-15 to 15 in Texas Stadium. That was disgusting. That was a, uh, not division, that was a wild card game. That was a wild card game. And then, since then, the Vikings have been undefeated in wild card games of the Cowboys. Vikings then won five games in a row versus Dallas, including, again, beating the Cowboys in 2000, only to get throttled by the Los Angeles, no, excuse me, the St. Louis Rams, going on to win their Super Bowl uh, in the 1999 season. And again, as the new millennium had just started in January into February that year. We beat the Cowboys, but got throttled by St. Louis in the divisional round. Again, you continue to beat them, beat them, beat them. Then an improved Cowboys team with Tony Romo beat the Vikings in 90, uh, 2007. Vikings were not very good that year, 24-14. to 14. Vikings crushed the Cowboys in 2010 in a divisional playoff game, 34-3. to 3. It was as easy as it gets, but of course, when Dallas's left tackle got hurt, that did not help. And, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> Jim Tower is not a happy camper about that one. That's Dylan's buddy. We were on uh, NFL East to West talking about the playoffs that year during the Favre, uh, great Favre season with the Vikings. Since then, it's been kind of a back and forth. And the Cowboys in 2016, last time we played, barely got past the Vikings. The Vikings are trying to squeeze into the playoffs. But Dak Prescott and co. did just enough to beat the Vikings 17-15 to in the very first meeting between these two teams in U.S. Bank Stadium. So, kind of going on and on about history there. hope that wasn't too long. <laughs> kind of cool, though. Long, long history between these two teams. Several playoff games. One, two, three, four, five, six playoff games. Seven playoff games. Two NFC Championship games. And <laughs> one wild card. And the rest were uh, divisional games. Divisional playoff games. So, lots of postseason for Minnesota and Dallas. 
over the years. Pretty rough one there in 96. Oh, boy, you remember that one very well. Uh, Orlando Thomas tore his ACL during that game as well. That was very sad, and he was never the same after that. He was one of the best free safeties in the NFL before that injury, and after that, he was one of the worst, and he stayed one of the worst until he was gone in 2001. He was pretty bad. Patriots inching back, 17-10. to 17-10, to 10, much to uh, John Harbaugh's frustration, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, let's look at the Cowboys, though. How about them Cowboys? They started the season so well. They win the first three, lose the next three, and then they win last week, finally. The Dallas Cowboys finally win another game. They'll be playing the Giants tomorrow. They're getting the passing yards. Dak Prescott wants the money. Their offense is been pretty damn good. I mean, almost 450, 450 yards a game. Fourth in the league and rushing almost 150 a game there. Dak Prescott is putting up the numbers. It's beautiful stuff. But other than that, you know, they're not winning games. I mean, 200, wow, 21-23 in terms of yardage for passing, passing yardage for Dak Prescott. Robert Quinn, again, one of those valuable <laughs> defensive studs out there. Six sacks for the Cowboys. They're not so much in getting turnovers necessarily, which is okay with me. It's a defense that's beatable. I got to think Amari Cooper leading the club in receiving. Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb, the former Packer. Oh, man. Name after name after name. It's been a long run for Jason Witten. He's still playing. He is still playing Jason Witten for all, all this time. Amari Cooper again leading the club with five touchdowns overall. Ezekiel Elliott got his big contract, got the big, 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 big bucks, and he's earning it so far. Four and a half a carry, six touchdowns. Dak Prescott, again, also wants the gigantic bucks, but is he putting up great numbers? I mean, he's good. He's above average. 102 quarterback rating, but 12 touchdowns, which is okay. Seven interceptions is not okay, and he made some mistakes along the way in those first seven games, and that's why the Dallas Cowboys are barely hanging on to first place in that NFC East. That's just because everyone else in the division stinks. I mean, they would probably be out of the playoff picture here if not for that, because you got teams like Carolina, you got teams like the LA Rams that would probably beat the Cowboys in a, in a playoff game, I would think, or a regular season game or whatever. Dallas Cowboys, certainly an offensive club, I would have to say. Opened up the season crushing the Giants, crushing the Redskins, crushing Miami. So three wins against garbage, basically. Just like when Minnesota beat the Giants and Redskins and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, yeah, we're great. But then here comes New Orleans. Teddy Bridgewater kind of, you know, getting done what he needed to in that New Orleans defense, really stifling a Cowboys team. Packers defense stifled the Cowboys. And then the Cowboys lose at New York. Ouch. 24-22. to That's garbage. And then all of a sudden last week, they rifle, they crush the Philadelphia Eagles 37-10. That's crazy. Or was that two weeks ago already? God, that's a while. Cowboys had the bye just recently. And now they will... Uh, be heading to uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey to play the New York Giants. So we'll see what happens. MetLife Stadium there before uh, hosting the Minnesota Vikings on the 10th of November on Sunday Night Football next week. Lots of familiar names, and of course, you know, you got all these the hated owner, all these guys, Jerry Jones. Uh, <laughs> it's a hated team, but they've certainly they certainly put up the numbers offensively, but then next thing you know, they're not winning games. <sighs> the, the loss today by Minnesota was so frustrating, and i got to hope the Vikings come out next week sharper. you, you got to hope that there, there's going to be uh, uh, that 
Kirk Cousins is going to be sharper. I mean, he was so inaccurate today, and it was just devastating when you consider how, you know, how well he'd been playing. And it's not like this Chiefs team is, is that good. I mean, the Vikings should have won the game today. I mean, just bottom line, the accuracy should have been there for Kirk Cousins, and it just wasn't. And it needs to be there next week against this Cowboys team. As uh, obviously their offense is prolific, but occasionally they'll put up the big numbers against teams like Philadelphia. And then Philadelphia's defense shows up nicely against an awful offense with uh, Chicago Bears today. Dallas, Dallas's defense. I mean, they give up they give up yardage, they give up points for the most part, but at the same time, it, they're not the worst thing ever. I mean, they're in the upper third or so, 324 yards a game. I mean, it's like you know they're nowhere near New England or San Francisco, which are literally over 100 yards less. That's insane. But those two are way far and away above everybody. You might just see Brady go against his former club uh, in the Super Bowl this year. His former club as he was growing up. Tampa Bay's rush defense continues to be spectacular, which is surprising considering how awful they are overall with their pass defense. It's one of the worst in football. Dallas's run defense, 96.9. So last week you went up against a team that gave up 148 yards. At least we were coming into it thinking we're going to really establish the run. And then next thing you know, I don't know what the freaking Vikings did. I almost dropped an F-bomb. Dallas Cowboys allowing 96.9. So a solid rush defense. Solid. That's pretty good. I mean, keeping teams under 100 a game, that's not bad. Not bad at all, to to say the least. They're actually better than San Francisco, if you could believe that, in the run defense. San Francisco's pass defense must be just insane, and I'm sure it is, and yes, it is. Number one in football, just ahead of New England there. And uh, it's unbelievable. When you look at San Francisco and New England, I mean... It's unbelievable. And Buffalo's still good, too. I mean, they're third place. But New England is allowing 50 yards less. I mean, that's a huge freaking gap. Dallas Cowboys defense has been solid this year. I mean, they give up points here and there. They score points. It's more of just the mistakes that have beaten Dallas. The mistakes, the, the crucial turnovers by Dak Prescott, and just big plays elsewhere that have, have hurt the Cowboys of late. And those the low-scoring game against New Orleans, which is really something. The Cowboys' defense kept Teddy Bridgewater and the New Orleans Saints' prolific offense in check as well. I, I know Teddy Bridgewater isn't Drew Brees, but he's still a very good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. Uh, Dallas's run defense right under Minnesota. In Minnesota's uh, 89.4. we got to love what we can do with our run defense, but wasn't good enough today. It gave up 90, 91 yards and one bleeping play which is insane. Dallas Cowboys give up 228 yards. So it's going to be a low-scoring Mike Zimmer type of game. You might see something like we did a couple of years ago when it was, what, 17-15 to 15 type of game. I'm expecting 20-ish. So Cowboys will get their yards. Will they get the points? We'll see. They'll certainly get the yards. but Or will they? Or will they? Uh, what's going to get the Vikings beat on Sunday night next week? It's the secondary. Because the Vikings secondary got them beat today. The Vikings secondary got the beat today. And yes, the run defense had that one gaffe. But outside of that, the run defense was just fine. Outside of that, but again, that was, yeah, that was like Mrs. Lincoln. How, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Because that was the fatal blow, per se. Uh, fatal shot. Too soon? Too soon? <laughs> no, I don't think I have to say too soon. That was Lincoln was just a little while ago. Um, but no, um... It's going to be a low-scoring Mike Zimmer kind of game, and you're going to have to really hope that the Vikings can contain Dak Prescott. 
he gets the yardage. He gets the yardage. I mean, you're going to have to hope and pray if he's getting the yardage that they're just somehow, some way, you're getting the turnover. I mean, that's what the Vikings need to get today, they, that they did not get today. They did get one fumble recovery on special teams, but that's all. That's all. There was never the turnover on Matt Moore. Yeah, that, that's how the Vikings are going to win the game. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott has only one fumble loss during the whole season, so you can't count on that happening. But if it does, great. It's got to be Dak Prescott. It's got to be Dak. Dak has to be the reason why the Cowboys lose. Because it's Dak Prescott is the X factor in this game no matter what. Because the Vikings secondary has been terrible, generally speaking. And I don't mean the whole secondary. I mean the wide-out corners. The wide-out corners have been terrible. Uh, especially Xavier Rhodes, of course. But even Trey Waynes, again, I'm going to keep coming back and saying, Ed, you know, he's, he's not a star. He's not a star and he never will be. He, he might have his moments here and there. Sometimes he'll have those big games, and then he stinks. And I don't know. I mean, the Vikings are going to have to have a shutdown classic type of game. They're going to have to come out and really surprise us, like give up only 10 points to this Cowboy team. And it's in Dallas, which is not good. Um, I'm not excited about that at, at all, to be quite honest. I'm not excited that it's another road game. Kirk Cousins needs to show up and play prime time. I mean, everything is going against the Vikings in this game. Everything. Everything is going against the Vikings in this game. The prime time, the team with a winning record, even though they're four and three, but they will be five and three because the Giants aren't going to beat the Cowboys. Patriots just now have their thirteenth unanswered point there, thirteen to uh, seventeen to thirteen. I can't imagine John Harbaugh's too excited right now, but well, it is what it is. <laughs> no, I mean it's the Vikings secondary. And Dak Prescott. It's the Vikings secondary versus Dak Prescott. Are they going to have a nice renaissance type of game like they're supposed to? Are they going to represent? Are they going to represent what Mike Zimmer is supposed to be all about? An excellent secondary? Excellent cornerbacks? <sighs> it's going to have to take something like that. It's going to have to take maybe a Harrison Smith versus instead of those cornerbacks getting a big interception. Or maybe Trey Waynes does. Maybe Trey Waynes or even Xavier Rhodes of all people gets the dagger interception that buries the Cowboys in a low-scoring 20-17 to 17 type of game. With that said, I am not going to do it this time. I'm not doing it. I keep picking the Vikings every week, every freaking week, every freaking week. I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm not going to fall into this trap this time. Kirk Cousins' primetime record sucks. Kirk Cousins' record against winning teams sucks. Kirk Cousins', Kirk Cousins record on the road is not good. And I'm not liking the way this offensive line is trending at all. I'm not picking the Vikings to beat the Dallas Cowboys. I will not do it. Uh, let's look at the last time the Vikings beat Dallas in Dallas. Let's see where it was. That was, uh, there it was. It was in 2000. Well, that's the last time the Vikings beat the Cowboys in Dallas. And yes, don't forget, we, we beat them in thanks, on Thanksgiving Day in Dallas as well. That was a lot of fun. Uh, November 26th when Randy Moss caught three passes and scored three touchdowns. He literally caught the ball and just ran past several uh, Dallas uh, secondary members. There was a penalty on every single play there in, in that game as well. But, I mean, he was just running past Dallas defensive backs throughout that entire game. He had like 150 yards and three touchdowns and three catches did Randy Moss in that game. It was a revenge game because Jerry Jones promised he'd take him in the draft, and he didn't. He passed on him and took somebody named Ellis. So we'll just move on from that. I know, I'm just messing around. Decent player, but not as good as Moss. Um, so we did win a famous Thanksgiving game in Dallas. That's the last time we played in Thanksgiving, uh, or played on Thanksgiving versus Dallas. Of course, we played Detroit recently a couple of times. One was 
a very disappointing loss in 2016, and one was an awesome win in 2017. Haven't played on Thanksgiving since then, which is okay, because it can be frustrating sometimes. You don't want to watch your team lose when you're supposed to have a nice, wonderful day off. But the last time the Vikings won in Dallas was in 2000. So we're talking, you know, 19 years ago. 19 years ago, November 23rd. So let's let's get that done. We couldn't get the uh, 45-year drought ended today. So let's get, let's end a 19-year drought or 18 in a month, uh, 18 and 11 months a year. Okay, 19-year drought in Dallas. Let's let's end it. Let's get our first win in this new stadium. Let's get it done. But instead, I will not do it because I'm not going to fall for the trap. Dallas wins the game 21 to 17 over the Minnesota Vikings. I see the Vikings keeping the Cowboys in check for a while, but not when it matters. And I can imagine Kirk Cousins making some mistakes, turning the ball over, screwing us over when it matters most, or just not completing the pass. I don't trust Kirk Cousins in this game. I will not do it. I will not do it. I'm not trusting the Vikings in this game. Unfortunately, Dallas has forced seven fumbles, which is in the league, or in the middle of the league. They have not, uh, they have no pick sixes of any kind against uh, this season in the interception category. Their numbers are really low, only three interceptions. So that's the thing. It'll probably be more of an inaccurate type of thing. Maybe he will have a turnover of some sorts, but they don't get a lot of turnovers in Dallas. They do not. Uh, Minnesota has eight interceptions, which is nice. Hopefully we can get that on Dak Prescott. It's going to take, it's literally the secondary versus Dak Prescott. I'm going to keep saying it. Kirk Cousins, the only way, the best way the Vikings win again is to get the turnovers in spite of Kirk Cousins' inability to win in these big games. It'll be the secondary saving the day, literally, for the Minnesota Vikings to beat the Dallas Cowboys because Dak Prescott makes mistakes. He gets the yardage, he gets this, he gets that, but he makes mistakes. He's not a franchise champion type quarterback. He's not to me. He's not. Uh, Russell Wilson is, obviously. He's, he's done it. Russell Wilson is, Tom Brady is, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, Matt Ryan we thought was. He's not anymore. Luckily for them, they're on the bye before they give Dan Quinn his walking papers eventually this year. Too bad, because I, I thought he was good. I thought he was a good coach. Too bad that took place. But um, that's just the nature of the beast. Not for long. NFL stands for not for long. But Cowboys win 21-17. Vikings do not win in primetime in Dallas, Texas. With that said, we'll take a quick break, come back for segment three, and call it a night. We are back for the third and final segment, Fan Interaction for Purple Mafia here. Well, I thought I had a call-in coming from Brent Jacobson. I'm not sure what happened. I don't know if Dylan got it, but uh, if need be, we'll just put it on the next show. I apologize for the lack of efficiency. I don't know what happened. Maybe it didn't go through. Who knows? So I apologize that uh, it's not getting on right now. I kept checking. Maybe it'll pop up at the last second. We'll see what happens. We'll squeeze it in, in the at the end of the segment, the end of the show. Otherwise, we're going to go to Twitter at uh, Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. Yeah, the last couple of weeks, there's been a big drop in numbers. I don't know what happened, but uh, I don't know if it's just the fans uh, losing interest in the team right now or what. Also, maybe that Washington game, not the best thing to watch. That's for sure. I don't know. Uh, The Washington game did better than the work smarter, not harder type of game, though. Man, I I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's HipCast is hicking up or people have just lost interest in this team or started hating on the show. I have no idea what's going on there, but I uh, want to thank Vince Romano and Tanae Brown. Vince Romano out of Australia. 
and Tanae Brown out of New Zealand for retweeting the show on Twitter. Thank you so much for that. Can't thank you guys enough for passing it on to your friends there. Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland. This is the only time you'll hear from him on this episode, which is sad, unless he calls in at the last second or something, but I don't know. <laughs> or another tweet pops in. Uh, yep, must have been very busy because uh, this just popped up. Wow, I'm glad, he, I'm glad he got this in. He said, so we lose to a backup quarterback. Poor on both sides of the ball. Yep, we lost to another backup quarterback. Yep, just like Chase Daniel earlier in the year in Chicago. And that was humiliating. And uh, yeah, this was not good. Just an overall nasty game. So quick, quick run there with Twitter. Facebook a bit busy. Thanks always though, Mad Martin. Love you. Out of Northern Scotland. Dave Martin there. Hope to get another call in from him in the next week or the week after whenever he's uh, not busy and able to do it. We'll, we'll see what happens. Episode 302, Just Win Baby. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Going to jump on that right now. And also, maybe we'll uh, mention MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven. I think I've forgotten to post links to that one the past few weeks. I don't know. So I'll remember to do that again. (laughs) Yeah. No, but uh, Trevor Wickerman, the founder of that page, kind uh, kind enough to allow me to post links to Purple Mafia on that page. Can't thank him enough. So I encourage my listeners to join that page as well. Well, whereas uh, hopefully his uh, members of his page can be interested in this show by uh, clicking on the link or whatever. Or just, uh, oh, okay, I better get to iTunes or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Double Twist, whatever other application you might use. More than likely it joins in. Um, yeah, J-Ron Curse. Yep, J-Ron Curse. But he, he played today, and he was part of that stack there from Harrison Smith. He was he was applying some pressure today. He did all right in the limited action he played. So, Mark Carlson. Last week, so he's not one of the people staying away from the show lately. I don't, again, I don't know what happened. Because it's a mysterious, huge drop. I, it's got to be some kind of, uh, it's not normal. It's weird that it would drop that much. It's a big drop. Let's just leave that as is. Hopefully it's nothing I said or anything weird. Hopefully it's just a technicality. <laughs> Mark Carlson out of Iowa says, great episode, Joey. I sure enjoy hearing your coverage of the team, and I think you have made the show better, adding a more in-depth look at team versus team history as you preview your next opponent. Yep, and I tried to do that today again with the Cowboys. Strange how the Chiefs and Vikings rarely play each other. It sure brought back memories, as you mentioned, a few players from previous games at Vikings history, like Fodder Vez and Kadri Eshmael, Jim McMahon. If Purple Mafia just talk to the box score on current games and a few highlights, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the cool podcast it is. This is one of the reasons I like to listen. Also, I think the longer podcasts are great because more content, more information and more fan interaction too. All for the better. Cole, Mark from Iowa. Thank you so much Mark. That's awesome of you to say and he'll get a star this week for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, it's been a Yep, I mean, I, I, I love going back into history. I've been around long enough that uh, I can have some visual memories of a lot of those games going back into the early 90s and such. I'm old enough to have remembered the 80s. It's just too bad I didn't watch them as much back then. It was just kind of here and there. Really got hardcore in 92 and should have started sooner. I should have started in like 86 or something. I wish. Gerald Springs simply says, can't wait. And thank you, Gerald. Gerald out of Nebraska. So we'll move forward. I was saying no Patrick Mahomes today. Pretty quiet week, honestly. There was no bad news. That's the good part. Dave Hickey out of Iowa says, Sweet, hopefully we don't get beat by another backup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Matt Emer says, But then if we lose, it's embarrassing. And Well, yeah. Both of you, yep. You uh, nailed it. 
nailed it, unfortunately. It's uh, one of those things. It's one of those things. It's exactly what happened. We did lose, and it was embarrassing, and it was disappointing. It's not like Matt Moore is terrible. He's not. It's just that we should have beat them. We just simply should have beat them. And it wasn't as embarrassing as it was annoying and really agitating. In-game threads, let's see if we can screw around in that a little bit. Obviously, very busy today. Lots of emotions and frustrations from everybody, including myself. Getting a little bit vulgar on there once again. Mark Carlson says, It's unbelievable to see this team on the field in Arrowhead. A sea of red. And Brent was wondering if he was there, but no, not at the game. Dave Hickey, let's see if there's anything else. Brent Jacobson. Okay, let's see what Mark says. I was asked by my sister, Lori, would I go to the game in KC? I said, no, I don't want to be thrown from the upper balcony. Well, there were a lot of Viking fans at the game, too. I mean, every time the Vikings did something well, the cheers were pretty big. There was a lot of purple at that game, and I want to commend Viking fans that might be listening that were there. Good job. Uh, you guys traveled very well, and that was uh, very nice of you to represent this team in such a hostile environment there. I wish we could actually win in that bleeping place more often. In fact, we never have won there. Never. So, uh, we've won in Kansas City, but not in that building. Brent Jake says, and Brent Jacobson's from the Lakeville area, I went to a game there with a Broncos fan, buddy, for a Chiefs and Broncos game. That must have been cool. And the KC fans were super cool. Heck, one of them brought my bought my Broncos fan buddy a beer to drink. A <laughs> beer to drink. I've seen many times where Viking fans buy Packer fans a beer too, to wear. So they're like throw it on them. Interesting. Uh, Mark Carlson said, I went to a Redskins home game back when they were in the old RFK Stadium. Oh man, I remember that. The Rowdy fans keep saying they were going to throw me over the balcony. It all ended well, though. <laughs> Just rowdy fans, but it would be super fun to travel to more away games. It would be. It would be something I'd like to do someday, too. I wish I had the time and the money and all that. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. Cedric Paulding, out of Mississippi, says, Good afternoon. Let's get this win. There was a bit of frustration. A lot of us were cursing at the start of this game. Yankee Zong out of Brooklyn Center says, wow, good decision on run and slide, but horrible awareness to the first down markers. Yeah, I couldn't even get that. Can't believe he did that. Yep, that would have been, uh, yep, that would have been our old buddy Kirk Cousins there. Seems to never get those, just never. Um, pass interference, yep, that was frustrating. Josh Miller, Henry, very active today. He says, Kirk's decision-making in this game has been horrible. Why even allow pass interference to be challenged if they are never going to change it? So bleeping stupid. That was an easy call, and that was on Mike Zimmer there. Yeah, Mike Zimmer continues to throw challenge flags when there's just nothing you can do. It's just not going to get overturned, and then it does. It just, uh, you know, it, it never gets overturned, and then you lose your timeout. Yankee says, leave it to the Vikings to always giving it up to the bridesmaid. Brent Jake, very active today, too. He said, it's time for Captain Kirk and the Vikings to boldly go over no man in a Vikings uniform has gone before. Down to the field, down the field to victory at Arrowhead. And yeah, we, we just didn't do it again. So freaking dumb. Josh Mayer Henry is going to get a star today, by the way, out of Colorado. He says, the whole team is laying like trash. I'm guessing me it's playing like trash right now. Our run game should be destroying them. Our defense should be shutting more down. It's almost looking like Mahomes is playing. And it felt like that in some of those uh, completions to... Uh, Tyreek Hill, it, it felt like it. Yep, Hill with that big dagger. Yep, that was Brent, Brent McCarthy there, South Dakota, all over the place. He was saying, unbleeping believable. 
Yep, that was as things kept going around. Just Justin Mayor Henry out of Colorado also says, well, just another disappointing Sunday. And yep, Brett McCarthy was calling for digs. Come on, it's digs time. And then it just never happened. And the takeaway that Brett McCarthy also mentioned never happened. We thought it was time for that, and it never bleeping happened. It just never did. Shelby Lund says Zimmer's defense sucks. Yeah, Zimmer's defense has not been good. Alex McGullins, I think I've seen him once or twice. He says bleeping shit. Cousins will always be that. Cousins, he bleeped up a lot. And I don't give a damn what anyone else says. All those passes he missed and overthrown as well. They were a big they were big misses, Alex. So I'm not mad at you at all for saying that. Not even a little bit. I'm not mad at you even one bit for uh, being extremely frustrated with how this game went. So I appreciate your uh, emotion and your frustration there, Alex. Oh, why did I click on that? Shoot, and I screwed up and messed everything up. <laughs> it's always like that. Then it doesn't load right away. But no, I, I don't disagree with Alex there. He was very pissed off, obviously. And I think we all were. I think we all were, Alex. I think we were all extremely pissed off. And now it's not loading at all. That's cute. How quaint. Yes. Just show me the damn comments, please. Stupid thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, what a frustrating overall game. Josh Mayer, Henry. Okay, we already read that one. Just show all the damn comments. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, where was he? Yep, Brett McCarthy was saying, how are, how are their receivers always open? It's just we're playing back on guys. We're not keeping up. We're, again, I think a lot of it is we're just kind of preventing. It's a lot of prevent defense in there. And it's not even the coaching scheme necessarily. It's the players. The players are in a position where it's like they don't trust themselves. So they just play too far back, and then yardage is given away. And... That was kind of the story of this game. Time and time again. Time and time again. Let's see if I can try to get a little more in here real quick before we head into the, the uh, post-game thread, if humanly possible. Every time I click on this, it won't freaking show it. Mark Carlson. Nope, that was an older one with the Redskin conversation. Yep, there it was. Sebastian Barton. 1974, the last time the Vikings won in Kansas City. And yep, it didn't happen yet again. It just didn't happen Yet again, oh man. Hmm. Yep, yeah, Brett Jacobson, this sums it up really big here. He was saying, where where are all the bootlegs today? What happened? Like, where is all that? It just never came. It just never came at all. Just the frustration continues time and time again with that. There was just no bootlegs or anything, and nobody really understood where that was throughout this entire game. So... That was a good, uh, obviously, that that's the take. I mean, you didn't see any of that today. And Kansas City was just kind of goading the Vikings into plays that uh, weren't working. And that's what was happening. I mean, their defensive style was matching our every move, despite the fact the defense isn't that good. The Kansas City defense isn't that good, yet uh, Steve Spagnuolo was <laughs> keeping the Vikings in check time and time again, literally like matching our every move. It was beyond frustrating beyond frustrating the whole game. So, yep. Uh, let's move on now to the uh, post-game thread. Let's just get to the end here. Because there's so many there and you get lost and all that. But a lot of good comments by everybody and I always appreciate everyone's inclusion there. It's huge. Oh, don't you get sick of this most relevant nonsense. I want to see everybody's comment because they're all relevant, damn it. 
And I was saying about how basically, despite the insane frustration, how about them Chargers? At least we have that. But at the same time, it's even more frustrating because we could have gained ground on the Bastards. Might have taken the division by beating them in U.S. Bank Stadium in December. We might have, and we didn't. Mark Carlson says Green Bay getting what they deserve. Yep, Cedric Paulding says, What's more frustrating to me is the fact we should be undefeated. How did we lose to the Bears? The refs beat us in Green Bay. We literally had the game today. Uh, handed the game away today, yeah? Oh, so true. Brad McCarthy says, our, uh, I know our secondary is trash. Love watching the cheeseheads go down. Yep, couldn't disagree with any of that. Dave Hickey out of Iowa says, I would give my Ponder Award to the coaching staff. Waynes and Cousins. So all three of those. As for the friend, hard to say. Cook, Randolph, maybe even Treadwell, dare I say, believe it or not. And he almost got it. If Treadwell maybe could have gotten that one more play, but that's Kirk Cousins' fault. It was overthrown. Kirk Cousins was not good, but he wasn't the main reason the Vikings lost. He was one of several reasons the Vikings lost. You can get mad at Elfline. You can get mad at whoever. It was all of them. It was all of them. Dave Vicky continues, says, beaten by another backup and another missed opportunity by Cousins to remove his stereotype. Now a date with Dallas in Jerry World. In prime time, another loss for Cousins in my mind. I agree. I agree, Dave. They might be in a wild card scenario, but as but as I see it, another wasted season with Cousins, especially if Thielen is out for most of the season. And he might be, because I don't think he's going to play against the Cowboys next week. I don't think he is. And I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Cedric Paulding says missed opportunities all game, and the game plan on both sides were terrible. Yep, kind of that prevent defense. And the big plays still happen, despite that prevent-style defense. And, um, again... A strange, strange game plan offensively. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. Mark Carlson says that first TD for Casey was a deep burn, and we absolutely have to win tight games like this. Better defense, please. Make them punt or kick field goals, and yeah, that's for sure. Trey Buckholz says, the only thing that I've never understood about Zimmer is his terrible use of timeouts. Yeah, he doesn't call one on that play, and Moore is getting crushed. Yep, yep, Moore was the only one who heard it and quit playing. Things could have happened, you know. Well, why call the timeout? Malcolm, yeah, it's been a little while. Malcolm, out of Southern California area, says it seemed most of the 50-50 or lucky plays went to the Chiefs today. Ball bounced in their favor, but at least we hung with them. Yeah. Josh Mayer Henry says ponder award to the whole damn team players and coaches. That's all I got. Ooh. Yeah, he's just like, hang up the phone there or drop the mic. Uh, Brett McCarthy says, bad, bad play calling on offense in the second half, missed opportunities. Yeah, I mean, some of those passing plays made no sense. Gerald String, Nebraska, says, I'm chalking this one up to coaching. Very poor game plan on a defense that gives up 170 yards of rushing. The play action only works when you pose a run threat, which we didn't do today. O-line wasn't very good at all. Then to top it off, our defense decides to give up huge gouging plays. Think next week's game is going to be even tougher. Don't think we are serious to rule contenders at this point. Don't see us even close to the 49ers, Saints, and my least favorite team. That would be the Green Bay Packers, yeah? Yep, I, I just threw that in at the end. But yeah, I mean, look at the 49ers defense. I, I'm really beginning to think the, the Patriots and 49ers might be in the Super Bowl. And I believe, yep, the Patriots just matched uh, Baltimore's touchdown, so now it's getting back to a four-point game again. 
Looks like, yep. Baltimore scored a touchdown. Patriots are back in it. Here looks like 24-20 to as long as they make their extra point or maybe they go for two and make that three-point game. We'll see. But uh, great thoughts, Gerald. Great thoughts, Gerald. Awesome. Yeah, uh, Yankee out of Brooklyn Center says, Vikings, loves, Vikings love losing to backup quarterbacks. It's always been a fetish for them. Good thing Mahomes didn't play. We might have lost by double digits. Yep, I think so too. Yeah, we would have been carved up by that. Uh, you know, I, I was worried about that on last week's show that uh, he would have carved up our secondary and Matt Moore kind of carved us up pretty good too. Not quite like a Chris, Christmas ham, but almost. Dave Vicky says, no doubt. Imagine Mahomes running and passing all over our ass. I think so too. Trey Buckholz comes back and says, let's remember that we still played against an NFL quarterback today. One that actually has actually posted many good games. And yeah, he, he's a decent quarterback. He's the kind of guy that maybe, uh, again, he's the kind of guy, he's kind of like a Matt Castle, right? Where he's going to fill in, in maybe as a really good backup, or he might be a fill-in starter, that type of thing. Obviously, he had to start today, but I mean, like, say, maybe you're a team that doesn't have a, a franchise quarterback or whatever, and you need somebody, and maybe you're a halfway decent team with a really good defense, and there's your quarterback for now because you didn't have like a, uh, a a guy of the future or overpay a free agent or anything. Hello, 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 right? So no, good thoughts there, Trey. Brett McCarthy says the secondary is garbage. Is garbage. I don't know if he said garbage, but he said garbage. So with that said, again, no Collins and Hardy. Almost an hour and forty-five minutes. Gold star today. Oh man, I'm all over the place right now. I got to give it to. Josh Mayer Henry, lots of uh, lots of energy today. Really loved what he brought. Josh Mayer Henry's going to ring in the gold star out of Colorado today. Mark Carlson's going to ring in a gold-plated silver, and a silver star is going to go. Yeah, so Mark Carlson got the gold-plated silver star basically, and the bronze star. Ah, boy, who was the other one? Well. Man, I mean, there's so many. Uh, Trey Buckholz for sure has to get some kind of a star. He's got to get a star of some sorts. Trey Buckholz is going to get a star. Good thoughts. And uh, Gerald Sring again also. And uh, Dave Vicky. It's going to be like a three-headed monster there. But silver's plated, silver-plated star for uh, Trey Buckholz. But yeah, Dave Vicky and Gerald will join with the bronze stars. Trey Buckholz, silver-plated star. I'm just passing them out today. Because uh, great thoughts. Love the inclusion. Love the conversation. You guys really jumped on board today and got things going. Awesome job. Uh, obviously, awesome awesome to see Cedric Paulding is available to join the conversation today. Always good thoughts as well out of Mississippi there. Love the guy. Uh, met him from Dylan Richardson. Those were uh, two guys in the Navy years ago, about the same age, if I remember correctly. Great guys. A couple years older than me, not too much. Yeah, we're all veterans now in our four zeros, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I hate that number, but it is what it is. We're all in our 40s now, so... Time flies. And, uh, <laughs> time waits for nobody, but uh, we're still young. We're still young, damn it. I, know, I, I could do radio another 40 years probably, easily, if, I, if I'm if able. Yeah, uh, God willing, if God, God allows that. So, And if he doesn't, yeah, yeah, if things don't change too much in this planet uh, in between now and then, we'll see what happens. But uh, with that said, I want to wish all of you a wonderful week. Cold weather is going to be rolling in by the end of the week, it looks like, or at least early next week. It's going to get super cold. Uh, boy, oh boy, the cleanups are still rolling. We'll see how the release of the show next week turns out. It's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting situation. I don't like our chances next week. I don't think anybody does. Do you blame me? 
Hopefully uh, tell a friend or two or 40 friends if you can. The numbers need a little bounce back. I'm not sure what happened other than maybe people aren't buying the Kirk Cousins uh, miracle run here, though. It's inching forward tonight, which is nice. Inching, inchworming forward. Those two last shows that didn't do so hot. They're not the worst numbers ever, but oof, kind of alarming. But I suppose that happens where it's a slow burn sometimes, where some of the old shows from a month ago are doing super well still. So they're getting listeners still where the newer ones, not so much. It's kind of weird. But people are probably just frustrated. It is what it is. With that said, wishing all of you a good, safe week. Hope to talk to you soon. Again, Brent Jacobson, sorry that happened. Hopefully I can still get it, and we'll have to post it on the next show, and we'll continue to talk about this Chiefs game next week. Maybe similar mindset for both games the way I'm thinking. I don't think we're going to win next week, but hopefully uh, Kirk Cousins and Cole proved me wrong, and that secondary proves me wrong. With that said, take care. We'll talk to you very soon.